everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of the Co-Teaching Chronicles. I'm Ray. And I'm Chris. And Chris is going to tell us a little bit about what the Co-Teaching Chronicles are all about. So yeah, our first episode, Ray and I want to use the Co-Teaching Chronicles to share our teaching stories and experiences, but we also want to talk about our life outside of the classroom. So this podcast is for anyone thinking about becoming a teacher, first-year teachers, teachers that are close to retirement, or really just anyone. We're going to share advice, teach on new topics, discuss how we balance our careers and personal lives. Ray, let's be real. We're just a couple of girls passionate about what we do, and we love to talk about it. Absolutely. So on today's episode, we are going to introduce ourselves and give you all, our listeners, an insight into our lives. So with that being said, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves, Ray. Sure. So once again, I'm Ray, and Chris and I are both teachers from Kentucky, and I just finished my seventh year teaching and we'll be going on my eighth year this coming school year for 2020-2021. And I've actually only ever worked at two schools, and they were in two complete different um, demographics. The first three and a half years of my teaching career, I taught at a private school. And the most recent three and a half years, I have been teaching at a public school that is Title I, meaning that the majority of our students are on free and reduced lunch. So definitely big changes there when I um, switched over, but I'm really loving the position I'm at now. Um, when I taught at the private school, I was actually a middle school Spanish teacher for three years. And then towards the end of that time, the last half of the year, I was um, kindergarten through eighth grade Spanish. And I left that career to go and be an English as a second language teacher in public school. And I service kindergarten through fifth grade students who speak English as a second language. So what about you? Eight years, man. I'm saying. (laughs) Um, So I've been teaching for six years. The first three years that I taught, I was in an all boys middle school and I taught health. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. (laughs) Um, And then the most previous three years, I've been in a traditional elementary school teaching PE. So basically, uh, me too. I am in two completely different, um, not only areas of town, but also two completely demographics that I'm I'm teaching or was teaching Uh, when I taught middle school boys health that was unique in the sense that you know regardless boy girl doesn't matter you're in middle school and trying to get you to feel comfortable talking about your feelings um personal hygiene sex ed it was a little crazy some days but i I loved it. it i loved it even more for that reason um and so then now teaching in an elementary traditional school and teaching PE, completely different ball game. Um, The structure of the traditional setting is very, very much reminds me of a Catholic school setting. Ray and I both grew up going to Catholic schools, um, so we can relate to that. Um, But yeah, loving it. Um, Still get to teach 
some of my health curriculum. Obviously, it's a little bit different because it's elementary, (laughs) but still get to kind of dabble into the health curriculum within the PE setting. Um, Yeah, so two completely different. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was going to add on was that they are totally different things. And I think that that's really cool about each of us is because we come from like all of these different cases where we've had different exposure to different things. Yes. Being in an all boy middle school in uh, this district that we're in is very unique. And then being in a traditional elementary school, because I've never worked in a traditional elementary school, but you say it's similar to private school. Yes. And private school is a whole other ball game as well. And then now being in a free and reduced lunch title one school. So we have like a lot of different stories from just all the experiences that luckily we've been able to have. But what's really strange about since we've been in teaching, we've never been classroom teachers. Right. We've been close when you taught middle school. Yeah. And I taught middle school Spanish because we still had set classes every day and blocks and we had kids we were responsible for, but we never had just one class where we had to teach um, them all day long and give them every subject area. So you want to share a little bit now about what your daily schedule looks like as a um, PE teacher? Yeah. So um, at the school that I, I think, actually, I think most elementary schools in our city will in the district that we're in, um, referred to it as special area. So like you said, I don't have a homeroom class. Um, I see most of my students once a week for 50 minutes. Um, and so while they, when they come to me, they, they know I'm ready to move or, you know, I, I better be ready to move because they're going to come in and we're going to get as much movement as we can in that short chunk of time. And again, it's just once a week. It'd be different if it was every single day. That would be awesome, but that, just not how it flows. Um, I've got my Monday and Friday classes. Those are a little bit uh, special for the reason being that every grading period, those Monday and Friday classes, those are the same kids. Um, it's kind of for me, it's, I feel like it's kind of difficult to explain in words. Um, so I see all my students once a week, except for those Monday and Friday kids. I get to see them twice. And so then each grading period, that changes so that each, essentially each kid in the building gets to have PE twice a week at some point during their school year. Um, And that's really fun for me because I get a a better chance to build or to grow those relationships with students. And also it just gives us more time, not only just to, I don't, for them to move, but for them to grow within a physical setting. So whether it's different movement skills that we're working on, um, or if we've just run out of time because we had a fire drill and we didn't get to play or do the whole activity because we know that happens. Um, they, they really look forward to having that extra day in PE. So, um, I try to celebrate, especially those Monday and Friday kids a little bit extra, just to let them know there's, this is that one time during the school year where that class or where that grade that gets to have PE twice a week and just try to kind of beef it up for them. And, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully they're looking forward to it. <laughs> and so right, Monday and Friday would be the best days because you start your week with PE and then you get to end, you it. end it. Yeah. I mean, that's how I always felt 
in grade school. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you got to have PE the last, like your last subject of the day on Friday afternoon, it was awesome. It was like you're on a field trip. <laughs> so like, I know when I worked at private school, when the students had PE, they had PE uniforms they could wear. Does a traditional school do that or no? They do not. Um, and I'm not sure. I know that there are middle schools and high schools in the district that we're in that obviously they do have PE uniforms, but in elementary you don't. They have, um, we have a lot of um, spirit days or um, days where students get to wear like their student council shirts. Like if there's a student council meeting, they get to wear their student council shirt. If there's a sign language club meeting, they get to wear those like those t-shirts on that day. Um our school, the, my school does a really good job of celebrating our kids. Um, mm-hmm. And so even though it's not a PE uniform per se, they do get several chances throughout the year to wear like their specific T-shirts for whatever club or activity that they're involved in. So I guess it's to me, that would be a little bit better than wearing your collared shirt because they do wear uniforms every day. Um, it might be a little bit more comfortable to run around in a t-shirt rather than your button up, you know, collar shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting too, that you see the whole school every week because at my school with, with the special areas, not me, but special areas, they have a schedule where it's, there's a week, B week and C week. So when it's your week for PE, you see them Monday through Friday, but then you won't see them again for another two weeks. Huh. So they ro- they rotate that way. Um, do you know? Interesting, but do you know if if like their your PE teacher, for example, like do those teachers tend to like that schedule? That's t- I've never even heard of that. I, I, they think they like it. I know the kids like it, but I mean, I think the PE, I think the special area teachers like it because they do get to get through an entire lesson that whole week. Yeah, and really build upon something. I know that it can be difficult when you're trying to remember what you have this week. Cause I know that when we would have kids and they would back up the special area and we would have to take them. I was like, okay, well, what do you have this week? And sometimes they wouldn't remember either. So yeah, that part could be a little difficult, but yeah, I, I mean, I could definitely see that being beneficial for the teacher and the kids, because as you were as you were telling me about that right away, I thought there were times like this fourth grade, this one particular fourth grade class, I saw fourth grade at the end of the day. And I don't know, I'm just going to guess right now. Let's say I saw them every Thursday afternoon, this one fourth grade class, there was like a span of probably almost like, I don't know, four or five weeks where I didn't see them because it was some kind of school, like school wide, event or something was going on for like literally it seemed like forever for four weeks or whatever during their PE time and so then they would see me in the hallway are we gonna have PE this afternoon I'm like oh like I didn't want to no we're not because we've got like we've got this I don't know some kind of kickoff party or whatever and again the school that I'm at, they they really do. They celebrate the kids so much. And it is, I mean, it is so awesome the ways that they find to, to celebrate. the our, PT, our PTA is super involved. And, I mean, they really do. They just make the kids feel special. And they're, they make them feel proud and celebrate their, their achievements. So 
in that sense, it's great. But at the same time, like they're really they're really sad when they don't get to have PE, yeah, for especially sure. for weeks in a row. But then it's like at the same time, I'm like, all right, I'm doing something right. That makes me feel good. Like they're right. you know, they they're missing out. Right. Yeah. So, you know, your schedule is a lot different from mine. Um, technically, I'm seen as more of a resource teacher um, and we have about 160 um, English language learners at my school, and I think our school has about 400, so that's almost half of the entire population. Wow. So we're, we're pretty busy, and our team, we have uh, two bilingual associate instructors, also called BAIs, and they are, um, they speak another, they have, they speak English as a second language. Uh, we have one lady from Cuba. So she speaks Spanish, and then the other one is from Morocco, and she speaks French and Arabic. And then Very cool. there, and there are three certified teachers and myself, and we all service every student in the building. And it, whether we're pulling the kids out of the classroom for small groups in our room, or we're going into their classrooms to help with their classwork, or we're co-teaching with another grade level, we're always in some way involved with with all the kids all day long so we see them every single day and if we don't see them one day because there's something going on they are not happy yeah and like especially when we do k prep and we have to accommodate um our kids because a lot of them get readers and scribes and we have to provide those accommodations all the younger kids who don't understand what k prep is they get really upset like, why don't we get to come to esl We're like well, in a couple of weeks you can come back, but we have to help the older kids right now. But yeah, it's it's nice to be able to see them every day and really work upon something. Usually when we pull them out, um, we see them for about 45 minutes to 50 minutes. But that's just what our daily life looks like. So, so I have a question. So sure. you, you talked about pulling kids out of class and then sometimes you all are going into the classes and working with them. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, I mean, like, how does that work? Is that, is that just based on maybe what the, what the teacher, like their classroom teacher is teaching that specific week? Is it like, how is that decided or set up? Normally until this past year, we only, the certified teachers and myself, we only pulled them out and, mainly the bilingual instructors would go into the classrooms. Okay. Most of the times the classroom teachers will ask the bilingual instructors what they would like them to work with the kids. Uh, it may be just taking some of the kids that are ESL in the class and maybe pulling them back to a table and helping them with their assignment. Um, but this past year, we wanted to roll out co-teaching we have, in our first grade alone, we, only, we have three classes. There are 42 ESL kids in first grade. Wow. So we knew that it was not going to be possible to pull out those kids because if we did, their whole class would be gone. Yeah. So our principal wanted us to co-teach. We ended up having to co-teach math just because that was the way that the schedule allowed us to be in there. Uh, and it was fine because there's a lot of language that you can develop in math. But um, we were in there for, when we started, it was an hour and a half every day. And we would have groups, like they would have a math workshop where they have stations and we would be a station. So I wasn't just servicing the ESL kids, I was servicing the other kids as well. 
So that was interesting because I got to get to know them and all of that. But it's always changing because mm-hmm. even thinking about what next year is going to look like, um, they're wanting more of the co-teaching collaboration piece. So the pullout might not be happening happening as much. But I think now, too, our our ESL kids have changed a lot because when I first started, we had a lot of students who were newcomers, meaning that the, this was their first school in the U.S. They had just came the past year. So there was a lot more need for pulling those kids out because they needed yeah. more help. And we really aren't seeing a lot of newcomers anymore. So a lot of our students can stay in the classroom and work on grade level with that content so being able to provide support in that way so it's funny how there's there's that shift but it's kind of fun because you know you never every year is something different yeah so you don't you never get stuck in your old ways well and i think that that shows growth on not only on your all's part but on the on the kids part as well Mm -hmm. you get to see them year after year see how they progress and grow and feel more comfortable with the english language but with also celebrating, again, themselves and where they come from and their culture. Yeah, because there's always been that divide, too, where you'll go to pick up kids from a classroom and the teacher doesn't want them to go. And you're always like, well, you know, I have to take them. But then our principal said the other day when we were talking about the schedule, she was like, well, you know that you've done your job if they can stay in the classroom. She yeah. Was like, you, all, you all have to. It's just hard to accept it because you're so used to pulling them out they're your baby like, you know what yeah it's like you know what you're right like it's a good thing that they can stay in yeah so it's going to be um interesting as we go into next year and what that's going to look like so me and chris you made me think that we work together and we have in a grocery store but we've actually <laughs> never talked together never we've just been friends since high school yes and we went to college together and we've really just been, you know, living life. Yeah, we have. And just, we've we just been, can't uh, get rid of each other. I know. <laughs> we've traveled out of the country together. We love tailgating at football games. And we just, we're just really good friends that have never lost touch and really just enjoy each other. And Aww. like you said yes, uh, yesterday when we were talking before we started recording, that we just kind of had the same values. Yeah. And this, I think the way we were brought up to kind of matches yeah. us and makes us absolutely a good, good pair. So, so Ray, besides tailgating, besides traveling, what have you been? Well, I guess you really haven't been able to travel that much this summer because of <laughs> Corona um, or tailgate for that part. Um, oh, that matter. But what 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 else do you enjoy to do? We'll say during the summer or even just we'll we'll pretend that we're on our regular work schedule and we'll pretend that um, we aren't teaching NTI during the school year, <laughs> during the school year, during the summer. What do you like to do, I guess, in your free time? Free time. I Yeah, like you said, we don't have much of it, but <laughs> I really enjoy volleyball. Um I used to be a club volleyball coach and high school volleyball coach, but I recently graduated from grad school. So when I made the decision to not coach anymore, um, it was kind of like, it gave me a lot more free time because that was very time consuming. 
but I still enjoy playing. Um, I'm in, I play in some sand leagues on Sundays and try to stay active with that. Yeah. I really do love the sport. Um, I have a three-year relationship with my boyfriend. And we, we live together and we have a dog and a cat and three hermit crabs. And hermit crabs. Pretty busy with all of that and just going to the lake and going out to eat and just, you know, finding ways to relax, crafting. I really like making things on my cricket and what'd you say? You're you're a cricketer? I'm a cricketer. Is that it? That's I nice. really enjoy like designing things like that and making things for people. So yeah. What about you? Um, I do not have any pets. No hermit crabs over here. Um, oh, so, um <laughs> I also coach. I coach high school field hockey. Um, not really sure what our season, if if we are going to have a season. Still not really sure what that's going to look like. Um, we are going to start doing some conditioning practices next week just to kind of get the girls back on the school campus and get them moving. Um, but, like, even that, like, I'm excited for. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's been so long. It, it has. Like, it's just – And I think, I mean, high school obviously is a little bit different, but I think it's important for them just to see our faces and know, like, we're still, we are very uncertain what's going to happen with all of this, but, like, we're in this. Like, we, you know, we're very dedicated and excited, and if it doesn't happen, then it'll be sad. But, yeah, so um, I played field hockey in high school and basketball, but um, still have always still had that love to stay around field hockey um, and play when I can. There used to be a league. Actually, I think the league still exists, but I haven't played in it in the past couple of years. But we called it the old lady league. <laughs> and it was just <laughs> like former um, former at, like field hockey athletes, whether you played in high school, you went on to play in college. It's just girls and guys because we had a few guys play with us. Um but just who just still want to be around the game. And so it was cool because a lot of them coach in the city. So it was cool to see them like on Sundays in our own league, but then on the sidelines when, you know, our high schools are playing each other. Um, I'm a runner. Um, just found out the other day, the Chicago marathon is canceled, which knew that was going to happen. But I um, was really kind of holding out for a miracle. So I'll see you in 2021, Chicago. I'm going to defer for that one. Um, also really hoping that I'll get the a bid for the New York Mar- New York City Marathon next year. Um, so when it comes to these marathons, like the Chicago one, mm-hmm. you have to be asked to be in? It's, your, it's a lottery. So um, basically for the Chicago Marathon what I don't know there's a date that they release and they say okay the lottery is open on this date and then it closes on this date so when it opened up I went online type in all my information it's just like entering a drawing basically and then um then if you it's kind of like if your name gets pulled out they send you an email and say you got the lottery but you I mean you still have to pay for the race I'm not super fast, so I don't. Qual- I have never qualified for these races. So, if if you, um, I don't know what the time is off the top of my head, but basically they do have set time. So if you if you are someone that you know 
is very, I think, very, very fast. Um, mm-hmm. and you qualify, you meet these time requirements for these races. Um, I'm pretty sure you, you, you know, you can, I don't know if it automatic is the right word, but you have a greater chance of, of getting in the race. Um, otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah. Otherwise you put your name into the lottery, like I said, like me, cause I don't qualify for the, the time requirements. Um, and you just kind of say a little prayer and wait to get that email. So, <laughs> um, but since this year's race was canceled with Chicago, I had the option to defer. So I sh- will have a spot for next year. So that's still exciting. Something to look forward to. Um, I am back in grad school again. I decided I wanted to have some more student loans because, you know, why not? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Let's let's learn something new. <laughs> well, when you said deferred your Chicago marathon, I was like, let my love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I'm getting I have a master's in education. And then I just started this past August. I just started working on a master's in public health. Um, and it's all online classes. It was before the pandemic happened. Um, so I think it's kind of, I don't know, not ironic. I guess I shouldn't use that word, but uh, I chose to I chose to get a master's in public health before this pandemic started. But it, I guess it's appropriate because this is just a, another time in life where I've I'm reminded that there will always be jobs within the public health field. So um, I just finished up a class, my summer class, and it was about um, emergency preparedness and disaster relief. Oh, interesting. Yes, it was very interesting. Um, And I really enjoyed it. So um, I just, like I said, I just started the program in August. So I don't have that many classes under my belt yet. But I'm thinking, thinking if... If I don't stay in the education school system, K through 12 system, whatever we want to call it, forever <laughs> and retire from it, um, I could see myself maybe doing some kind of teaching in another capacity. Maybe it's maybe it's something with emergency preparedness. Um, I also really like the idea of helping people like after a disaster has come through. I mean, like that sounds terrible for me to say, but like thinking about they meet people like that. Yeah. So like thinking about like Hurricane Katrina in the past and like you we they and that I don't want to say we because that wasn't us. That didn't, you know, affect us. Um right. but people in parts of the country, they needed others to come in and help and offer, you know, some types of relief, whether it was shelter, food, um, I don't know. I even think, too, one of my teammates is from Puerto Rico, and she came right after Hurricane Maria happened in Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah? And I was watching a Netflix show about that, actually, last night, and there are still, and this happened, I think, two years ago now, because she's been with us for some time, but there are still places there that do not have power still. Wow. And it's just crazy to think about it being a U.S. territory and they're not really receiving help and aid. So that would be a really interesting thing to be a part of. And to, to add on to that, I was just in New Orleans in early March, again, before all this pandemic, like, like literally as soon as I got home, it was like New Orleans is a 
is a hot spot. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but like, that was the first time I'd been there. And to see parts of that city still not what it was because of the hurricane, it's just, it's, it's crazy then to think about all of the reasons why, why things haven't been rebuilt or they're not, they're not the same, or I would think even better than what they were before. Um, there's so many different moving pieces that goes into all of that. So like I said, I just started in August. So far, I'm really enjoying it. Um, regardless of whether I change careers in the future or not, I have no idea. But at the end of the day, I think that getting a degree in public health for me, because I because I teach health and PE, it can only better it can only better me in that sense of of what I teach um, and add to I guess the curriculum that I already teach and the. Or even thinking, too, in the future, if you decide to move on to a more like CDC or work for the state kind of role, mm-hmm. you'll still be teaching. Right. This may be a different audience. Right. So. Exactly. Very cool. Very true. Very cool and Very true. true. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've both shared about ourselves, our likes, dislikes, hobbies, relationship statuses, <laughs> all that fun and exciting stuff. Now we want to share why we started a podcast. What is our what is our purpose with this? What made us order microphones Amazon <laughs> and say, let's do this? Well, so. you know, we've always talked about starting a podcast, but we never really knew, like, what we wanted to talk about or who our audience would be sort of thing. And I think the turning point for me for when I knew I wanted to do a teaching podcast was when I had the opportunity to present to the district about making a Bitmoji classroom and how I really enjoyed sharing what I like learned to do with other Knowledge. people. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was just like, and after, uh, even like promoting my presentation on Twitter and all those things and like connecting with people, I was like, this is like really fun. Like, can to talk to other people and then, just like networking so I was like you know what a teaching podcast is what it's gonna be yeah but I remember when we first talked about it you were in grad school and you're like yeah I'm in I'm in but you know we've all been in grad school and it's very controlling of the brain and your time (laughs) and you couldn't really think about it at the time but then when summer hit and I was like I really want to do this you were like I'm in And so here we are. And kudos (laughs) to you, Ray, because when I said I was in a long time ago, it was like you would you would text me whatever and say like, hey, I looked up these microphones or I you know learned all about this app today, and I was like, okay, great, like I'll get around to it. And especially then when I was like taking this biostatistic class and wanted to pull my hair out, it's like (laughs) it really wasn't. It wasn't. Like, I can't think about this right now. Looking at that, um, so I appreciate that you took that kind of that role in all of this because you wouldn't have given it that push. I don't know. I've always been kind of like an obsessive person in things. Like once, (laughs) once my mind is set on something, the good thing. Yeah, I like kind of obsess about it until I like it's finished or yeah no that's good and it kind of all started like I think the first thing I did was like make a logo and then Mm -hmm. 
and just kept like I was like okay I want to I want to make an Instagram okay I'm just gonna start following a bunch of people on Twitter yeah. yeah once I started taking those steps and it started to seem real I was like okay let's do this yeah but we knew that when we started we didn't want to just talk about you know strategies in your classroom like today we're gonna talk about guided reading and yeah. or those kinds of things which you know we'll talk about eventually but like in different senses where we want it to be more about you know life as a teacher things that you go through trials and errors stories and all sorts of things because i always think about when i was younger i always pictured teachers as like these perfect people they never Mm -hmm. made mistakes they were always like mrs honey from matilda (laughs) and we know that that is not true because i know i could be mistrunchable sometimes (laughs) but it's like that's not that's not the real those aren't real teachers so it's nice to be able to have this platform to you know share things that are happening in our classrooms but then also giving other people to things that they can relate to and say oh that's happened to me or you know letting them feel like they can reach out to somebody yeah connect because to your point, that's something I always still play, like, in my mind was when I was in college, like, getting in my Master's of Education program, and we would, like, as a class, talk about different scenarios, but once I was in that middle school on day one, started my teaching career, I very quickly realized, like, well, what that textbook told me or that class discussion that we had about this, if Johnny behaves this way, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, You, n- most of the time you're, you're not going to be able to do those things. You're not going to know until no. you are in that moment and experience yourself. You can't, I mean, ideally you can think, okay, this is, this is a good strategy I can use or I would like to think this is how I'll respond to this student or this colleague or um, principal, you know, any situation, but until you're there and you're living and breathing in that moment, I mean, you don't know. Mm -mm. And again, I remember too, even when I was doing student teaching um, and I would have my professors come and observe me, like I had most of my professors, you know, were very open-minded, but I had one that was very by the book and she would call me out and say, well, you didn't do it this way. And that's what we ta- talked about in class. And it was kind of like, but that's not going to work. Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah. So when I think about when, when we first started talking like seriously, seriously about the podcast, that was something that I wanted to make sure that we kind of incorporated was like you said, yes, talk about education, teaching tactics and experiences, but also just to let people know like, we're whatever, human right like, whoever you are whether you're a teacher or not that that it's not always going to be like you said sunshine and rainbows uh, yeah was, what <laughs> miss honey miss honey i was gonna say miss sunny <laughs> miss sunny close honey. enough <laughs> um but yeah i mean you've got to be real and you've got to i mean we're going to talk about I me mean, lord when i taught middle school there were days that i cried before oh, like on the way 100%. to school on the way home i mean like literally pumping myself up mentally or just just learning and growing from those experiences not just as a teacher but as a person 
Uh, and I think that that's important that, again, whether you're someone thinking about becoming a teacher, you currently are a teacher. Um, or even if you, you're someone who doesn't know anything about what goes on in a school, maybe you're a parent or something listening yeah. in, you can kind of see what it's like in our shoes day in and day your out. Yeah, your spouse is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. I, I hope that we're able to continue to connect all various groups or types of audiences as we continue with this podcast. For sure. All right, so I want to get deep here for a second. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, you know, obviously we are not into teaching for the money. So one question that I always love to answer but also ask other people other teachers is you know why did you become a teacher and it's really cool I think to ask people that because you can really figure out who that person is simply by that question their values you know what kind of teacher they are you know agreed so I've got my little like kind of story and reasons I love and stories. I'm glad you like my story <laughs> podcasters I tend to tell long stories, detailed stories. Luckily, no one's here to distract her because right. she likes to usually <laughs> jump down a couple rabbit holes when she tells a story. You know what happened? <laughs> um, so this was one of the questions that I was asked. Um, I believe I had to take an inter. I, have, I had an interview for like my master's of education program. So I was asked this verbally then, and then I think there was some other written response I had to give. Um, I'm going to pause you for a second really quick, because if I think if I was asked that before going for my master's, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be able to give a good answer. Because oh. I'm thinking about this what is mine awesome. is, and I didn't really figure that out till after, I guess you could say. So that's so interesting. Continue on, and I'll share later. Well, I I wanted to give that little bit of a background because my reasons and the story kind of that goes with it, or the details, we'll say, big detail girl, um, that all goes with it, still you know makes total sense to me in my mind. I guess it sounds a little bit not I don't want to say goofy, but maybe I feel a little goofy for sharing this now, just because this was what. A while ago. 2014 is when I was in grad school. So, like, yeah, that's crazy to think that this was six years ago. Um, But, all right, so here we go. Um, Around the time in college, like, I guess more like sophomore, junior year, like when you really have to pick a major Mm -hmm. and, like, start taking those classes, that was just a really weird time for me. Um, Just... I feel like that that was the part of, like, so, what, early 20s? 20? 2021. Yeah. The relationship that I was in was just, it's like a Katy Perry, hot and cold, yes, no, (laughs) like, God bless America. Um, Learned a lot from it, but that kind of had me, like, all out of whack. I was trying to figure out next steps I wanted to take with school, um, which we all know that's very stressful. And it just, I was just trying to figure out really like who I was and try, try, just try to navigate myself through that time in my life. Um, have always had a very supportive family and friend group, um, but it was just, I don't know. I still to this day look back on that time and just, it was just weird. It was not a, 
not a terrible time. I don't have some tragic story, but it was just an indifferent time for me. So that was when, Frey, you and I joined a gym together. Mm-hmm. And we were like, boom, 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 going like five days a week. We had our plan. We were walking around the gym with our little notebooks. Like, <laughs> we looked legit. <laughs> we did. It was so good. Um, and like, that was my thing. It was like, even though I wasn't a freshman in college anymore, but that was the thing. I'm like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be, you know, a statistic of going to college and gaining the freshman 15, even though I was like a sophomore. Um, So we ended up like hitting it hard. And we, I mean, I think I lost 15-ish pounds. I can't remember what I lost. I mean, we... We We were determined because we were going on spring break too. So So yeah, life could have been too bad. Um, But so that was, and I don't know, it might sound kind of cliche to sound, but that was the time that that was something that I felt like I could control that that when we were at the gym whether we were I don't know running lifting weights whatever taking a class that that was something that I had control over happening at that moment and then as I started to see my body change not only was that a very like satisfying feeling but it was just so empowering to think like i did this like i'm making the decision to be here for this amount of time or this many days a week and we were doing the research and whether it was going on pinterest and looking at different you know workouts or whatever it was i i just still to this day just that feeling of empowerment was my big motivator and it was kind of like I fell in love with that feeling and then that was like I guess my aha moment I'm really big on those with teaching and really just in life but that was my aha aha moment it was like this is what I want to do I want to I want to be able to teach these skills to kids so that they know that no matter you know if they're if they're from um uh, a wealthy end of town a not so wealthy end of town no matter who you are, what you look like, that you have the ability to make those choices and decisions for yourself and can, you know, kind of create your own path that if you're, if you're feeling, uh, and again, this is from my health days, but and really even elementary, we talk about those not so fun feelings. It was like, if you're experiencing all those not so fun feelings, you have the power to get yourself out of it like you can stay in that bad mood or you can do something about it and but also knowing that it's okay to be in a bad mood like everybody's everybody has those days we know that even as Hannah Watson <laughs> everybody has those days <laughs> even as a grown adult I mean sometimes you're in a bad mood and you don't even know why and that's really fun but that was the feeling that I really fell in love with and was just again aha this is it this is what I want to do I want to teach these skills to kids that they can use, utilize in the classroom, but also in other aspects of their life. Love it. (laughs) I think that's so important, too, because a lot of times, you know, people think of like PE teachers, they're like, oh, you just get to play dodgeball all day. Oh, I bet that just drives you nuts. And for the record, podcasters, at least in my gym, we don't play dodgeball. (laughs) (laughs) That That was taught in college. Never play it's a big no-no with the kids 
<laughs> the teachers maybe. <laughs> That'd be awesome, but <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But yeah, it's like there's this perception of PE teachers, but it's like with so many issues going on now with like mental health. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say issues. I would just say it being more like normalized. Yeah, right? now kids need to know how to process emotions like that. Like there's so much more now that goes into physical education with, right. it, with that stuff. So I think that since you are someone who came to the realization that you wanted to teach those skills to kids where they could better themselves in that sense or make them feel better about themselves, mm-hmm. like that's really well, amazing. And yeah, I guess I kind of left that little tidbit out, but that's where that direction then kind of led me in the health and PE route. And not to say that regular classroom teachers, ESL teachers, any teacher, any any staff member in a school building obviously does and teaches those same skills. Right. I mean, because again, let's be real, you're not just teaching math, science, for sure, English, you know, whatever anymore. It's It's all the things. It's coping mechanisms it's Mm. you don't have to be the health teacher to teach life skills or whatever I mean everyone is doing that so um yeah everyone's responsible for the whole child yes the whole child yeah for sure holy moly well I never really realized (laughs) how kind of similar our experiences are because yeah um, I like this because I don't know your story because like (laughs) the beginning you know I when I started college um, my parents had recently got divorced, so um, they got divorced like the January right before I graduated that May, and that was um, I didn't realize that either. Yeah, it was um, life shattering, I guess you could say, because my parents had been together my whole life, and um, and we had to you know go to separate houses, and then we're having to go back and forth, so it kind of just really. Um, messed me up for a little bit and mm-hmm. so when I got to college there was like this new freedom that I had because I had only one re- adult responsible for me on certain days of the week yeah so I and my parents too were, we were um, recently <laughs> single too so you know they were exploring this new life that they had too so we were all in kind of weird places and so when I started college I actually went to be a nurse and um what yeah i know and um but when, what? when i got there i immediately changed I'm because <laughs> because i um had to do service hours for grade school in eighth grade and i was a, um, a volunteer at the hospital and i remember after that i was like this is not for me i just i just knew i was like i can't and just to reiterate here for a minute, we were like eating lunch together at school. Yeah, but right? remember when I when my parents first got divorced, you were still in high school, so it was kind of like uh, a okay. We weren't. So that was that time. Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I started with nursing, changed, went to I think uh, also I was had, was had a thirty two percent of biology class, so I was like, yeah, obviously nursing's <laughs> not going to be for me. It, which kind of goes on to my next point too was um, my first semester, I got put on academic probation, and it was um, it wasn't my parents really didn't know, um, but 
it was because there wasn't anything that was I was interested in. Yeah. And I just I didn't like going to class. I didn't feel like I had to go. Like no one was forcing me to go. And you know the the interest just wasn't there. So that happened I think for two semesters where if it, if it were to happen again, I would have been kicked out. They I remember I went to the counselor cuz I think I had changed my major like three or four times at that point because I talked about being doing forensics, I was even thinking criminal justice, then I was like, "Oh, I'll be a um an anthropologist." Like it's some crazy stuff. <laughs> and I was just like, I remember I went to the advisor for arts and sciences and I was like, "I don't know what to do. Like yeah. I have no interest in anything. I just I'm almost out of gen eds, like I'm lost. I don't know what to do." And she said, well, you know, the only gen ed that you have left that you need to take is a foreign language. And I was like, oh, well, okay. And I was like, well, I was like, well, what do you have? I really don't want to take Spanish because I took that in high mm-hmm. school. And I remember Spanish in high school was... It was a joke. It was, it was a joke. It wasn't... <laughs> I mean, I, we had two... You only had to take it two years. And I remember... I. I got like a hundred percent, but I don't think I'd ever did any work. So, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, well, they're like, well, since you've already taken it, that might be your best option. And I was like, all right. So I go to class the first day and the teacher comes in and he was like this young guy. And then like, he just starts speaking Spanish from the get go. I'm like, oh, hold up. Wait a minute. I did not <laughs> sign up for this. And so I was like, whatever. So I'm stuck with it as it kept going on I was like you know what I'm actually really good at this so then I was like okay I'll just keep going with this and then like even like when you're learning in a Spanish class you're also learning about like history language culture all that kind of stuff within the thing so I was like well I'm gonna try another like Latin American studies class and I went to the class and I sat down I'm waiting for it to start and my teacher comes in and she has like this cart and she's got like all this like Latin American like artifacts on there. She's got a boom box and she's like <laughs> salsa dancing in the room. She's like, hi everybody. And, and just like, like, this is I was like, she had like the energy. I was like, oh my gosh, like I you are like, you are amazing. Shout out to Dr. Buchanan if you're listening. But <laughs> it was awesome. the point where I decided I was like, that's it. Like that's what I want to do. She was so passionate about that. And like, at that point I was like starting to be like really good at Spanish. I was like, I want to, I want to teach this to kids. Like, yeah, I wanted to them, not even just language, like art, culture, all that stuff that came with it. So then I started, I graduated and then I got a job at a private school and did um, you wheel in a shopping cart with all your artifacts? <laughs> I had my own classroom, so I didn't have box? a cart, but <laughs> I bet if you ask some of the kids, like, a lot of the things that I did were pretty similar. You know, always using music or mm-hmm. having different things, like, trying to get them involved in that sort of thing. But, you know, as it went on, it was difficult um, because, also, I hadn't decided... Well, I had decided that I wanted to teach, but it was a little too late into my bachelor's because I had taken so many Spanish classes, mm-hmm. and they said you know what, you might as well just get a bachelor's in Spanish. So I took one education class and um, I didn't get my master's right out of school. So when I started teaching, I literally just had a bachelor's in Spanish with one teaching class. I forget that. So when I jumped in, like I jumped in hard, had no clue, no strategies. I was just like, let's do it, why not? And it was, it was hard. And I think 
the only thing that saved me was the connections that I made with the kids. Mm-hmm. And that is my why. It's like having kids that want to come every day and are eager to learn and want to just talk to you outside of just what you're teaching yeah. is what makes it so special. So towards the end, though, when I started um, getting ready to leave to go to public school, you know, it wasn't anything against private school, but those kids didn't need me. Yeah. Um, I wanted something different. I wanted to be needed by someone. You know, I was technically a special area, mm-hmm. and I knew that. I know that you're a special area, but not like in that sense, because most parents, if like kids got in trouble, they're like, well, it's just Spanish class. Don't worry about it. It wasn't something that those people valued. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to do something different. So yeah. I had been looking at ESL programs for a while, but I could never find anything because I didn't have a bachelor's in education. So then um, I finally found a program that you could have any kind of bachelor's to enroll in. And so I started that in 2017. Started my school because I got emergency certified. And I remember when I started, I was so nervous, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. There was um, a group of kids that were newcomers there um, from the Congo. And I was like, this is like totally different from anything that I've ever done. But I don't know, they like touched my heart and Mm -hmm. really changed me as a person. Because I feel like after that point, I like started caring about like the well-being I was I'm like about to start crying sorry I was like worried about like the like are they okay at home yeah that kind of stuff so sorry (laughs) but I mean that's the why passionate people I am but you know when when you start making those connections with kids it's like you can make a big difference yeah you truly care about their like their successes and what they do later in life and and I feel They're like learning. any teacher that can make, you talked a lot about connection, whether, if a, if a teacher can establish a strong, not even a strong, just some kind of connection with the student, most of the time, especially elementary kids, most of the time, I feel like that they're going to buy in, that they may not like, I mean, like for me, I always hated math class. I still, I mean, I still hate math. I'm <laughs> terrible at it. Um, but... If it was a teacher that I really liked, even though I disliked the subject, I was going to listen because I liked her or because I liked mm-hmm. him. And I wanted, I knew that even if I didn't like it, they were going to, they were going to do their best to make sure, you know, I could relate to it somehow in some way. And then to the point that you made about Catholic school versus public school, um, both the schools that I've taught in have been public schools. Um, just the different middle school versus elementary, but the elementary school that I'm in, it's a traditional school. So um, for the most part, I mean, gr- you and I both grew up going to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a Catholic school. The structure just of their day, the amount the, of like PTA and support that yeah, they parent have, parent involvement. The um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like the I guess it, their expectations just as a student mm-hmm. or the pressure that they would, you know, some might experience as a student, it's very much like a Catholic school. So when you talk about um, feeling needed, that's what that's what sometimes, like, I miss. I love where I'm at. I love what I do. 
but I definitely don't get that those aha moments as, as much as what I did when I taught in middle school because those those young men I mean they're like you said you if you can build that relationship with them it's I mean it really does it does I mean again it might sound cheesy but like that's the whole that's that's everything that's well it makes it so much easier to go to work every day like if you have yeah. kids that you are like eager to see it's like or just to check up yeah. on them, like just say hello like in the hallway. you get just, there and you're like oh okay you know or you right. know just you know that you're going to see him having a good conversation and just you know how's your day or you know right is genuinely being concerned about them and then well and then the student knowing that too that's mm-hmm. the other thing of you might be that only light in their day in their week in some cases mm-hmm. i mean that says like how are you and not and they might not get that anywhere else yeah. so again like i think about the elementary school that i'm at we have we i mean we have kids from all over town but because it is a much more again i'm still searching for a word i guess well traditional i don't know yeah it's like you said it's 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 different because yeah yeah, compared to my school we're a title one i don't know if that um term is used in other places but basically our school is has a high population of free reduced lunch so it's just a different population so you know yeah different culture yeah mm -hmm. which that's where i think makes makes it that much more unique and you can it can bring more to the table especially even in the classroom especially in an ESL ESL classroom um but yeah there's been days for sure the the elementary school like teaching elementary that I'm just like okay how can I how can I take this to the next level um and that's something that I'm hopefully we will be back in the classrooms this year but that is crossed I'm dying over here (laughs) that's something that I'm that's like a goal for me is okay, these kids do listen, like, and still I'm like, oh my gosh, they listened the first time I asked them to do something. <laughs> like, I'm still baffled by that. Just coming from the school I did come from. Um, but it's like, okay, they can, they can listen the first time, you know, I give them a direction. They, they understand. But now, all right, let's beef this up more. Like, how can I start, you know, use, making them use or asking them to use their critical thinking skills on a new level whether it's something involving physical activity, health curriculum, or going back just like to the life skills of communicating with one another and mm-hmm. being kind to one another. And, Important skills. And manners and just like finding ways to incorporate more of that just to really like, and again, this might sound cheesy, but just like create, help create little awesome humans. <laughs> like True they already that. are awesome, but right. you know I mean like, the future doctors and That's right. The future is in our classroom. We always say, what do we always say that we're like, oh, you know, we just educate just the youth of America. America. <laughs> Brush the shower off, no big deal. <laughs> okay, Ray, so to finish out our first episode, I've got one question for you. I'm ready. Give it to me. Of all the teachers that you know, uh-huh. what would you say the one thing that they have, not all of them, but again, the ones that you know, what what do a majority of them all have in common? They enjoy a nice adult beverage. All right, so do you want to explain this a little bit here? Sure. So we thought about when we thought about that, you know, the majority of teachers that we know enjoy 
drinking or having a nice glass of something at the end of the day. A little cocktail. A little cocktail, nightcap, Mm -hmm. that we thought it would be a really cool segment if we did some tastings for you, make some suggestions for your end of the day um, drinks when you come home from work. So that's what we're going to be doing. And this is called the Teacher Turndown. So today, since this is the premiere episode, we do it big. And we will be sampling for you some Louis Bouillon. Oh. And I practiced <laughs> several times before this was recorded how to pronounce this because, you know, French is not my forte. But it is wee oui, wee oui. from France. <laughs> and it says here on their website that um, it was founded in 1877. And they are very old-fashioned. Because they harvest everything by hand. So they pay attention to detail. It's something we appreciate. Yes, we do. So this is a Brut Champagne, or as in French, (laughs) Champagne. Enjoying this nice bottle (laughs) of champagne for our premiere episode. And we're both cringing because I'm about to pop the lid off. And we all know champagne makes a big loud sound. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, I just jumped. And All right, so I'm pouring it in the glass in for our, you. Our wine glasses. Yes, we don't have champagne glasses. It's <laughs> all right. I'm going to drink out of a Dixie cup. <laughs> Nothing but the classiest here. Cheers. All right, here we go. Co-teaching Chronicles. First episode. All right, tell me what you think. Bubbly. Mm. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously you probably wouldn't try champagne when you get home from work, but... Maybe yeah. like the last day before summer break. Yeah, or you know, you're a new teacher and you just got hired on, mm-hmm. or you're getting ready to retire. So, what would you podcast? <laughs> starting podcast. So, what would you rate our old friend Louis Bouillot on a scale of zero to five? Um, I don't like. I'm not a champagne drinker. <laughs> I'm not the girl that goes to the bar and gets a champagne toast for free on new year's eve <laughs> you avoid it at all costs um yeah i mean it's good but i mean i'd rather have like bourbon or beer <laughs> next episode <laughs> but we'll get i'll just give it a five i don't really have hey okay fives um i would you? agree this has um it doesn't take well i don't think it's cheap i think when we bought it it was <laughs> kind of expensive but it's aged yes Ooh. <laughs> so I would give a five as well. It has the nice bubbles, but the flavor is really good too. And, so, and again, I don't know anything about champagne, but it's—I think it's kind of smooth, mm-hmm. tasty. It's not overly bubbly. Mm-hmm. I'm sure all of this has, you know, actual more correct terminology than what yeah, I'm using we are right now. We are amateur. Um, we are not champagne connoisseurs. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That sounded great to me. Ooh. But I so, should like whip my hair a little when I when I say that. So the Louis Bouillot has a five star review from both Ray and Chris. So if you have a liquor store near you and you're really craving <laughs> some champagne, we highly suggest it. Cheers. That does it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. We are so excited to be able to use this platform to share our stories with you, our experiences. And we'd also would really love to hear from you, your, our listeners. We would love if you could send us questions or feedback. 
anything that could help us make this because this is for you. Yeah, find us on Instagram at co-teaching underscore chronicles or email us at co-teachingchronicles at gmail.com. Both are going to be listed in our podcast bio. New episodes will be posted every Tuesday. So tune in and join us next week. Until next time. Thank you.